Welcome to the My Essential Birth Podcast. I'm Courtney. And I'm Stephanie. And we're professional doulas, childbirth educators, and the creators of My Essential Birth, the holistic, empowering online childbirth education course helping mothers everywhere confidently achieve their best birth. So join us each week as we share tips and advice for all things pregnancy, birth, and beyond. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you can be the first to get new content. And head over to www.myessentialbirth.com for more information about our birth course and to join a community of mamas just like you. Our reviewer of the week is Kylie22. She says, <laughs> I'm almost seven months pregnant, and up until a few weeks ago, I was absolutely terrified at the thought of giving birth. Girl, you're not alone. I was filled with sadness, feeling like I was spending my pregnancy in fear and anxiety. I started listening to this podcast every day and it's like my mindset has completely changed. Knowledge really is power. Y'all are so fun and encouraging to listen to and I feel like I gain so much knowledge, courage, and confidence with every listen. Thank you for what y'all do. It's truly made me feel strong and empowered and ready to take on birth. Kylie, we are so happy that you feel that way. And it's interesting because I just have to throw this out there. I was reading an article about, it was like 10 cool things that babies do in the womb. And there's a study where they've realized that babies can pick up on when the pregnant mom is feeling stressed. Um, They noticed that babies who were Um, Their mom was experiencing stress or anxiety, um, were more likely to like touch their face in a certain way. Um, Anyway, we can maybe, maybe I'll throw that up on Instagram this week, but I'm not trying to make you worry if you tend to get stressed. I did. My kids are mostly normal, Um, (laughs) but I want you to know that when you choose to um, come at your pregnancy and birth from a mindset of confidence and peace and empowerment and knowledge that's only going to have amazing benefits all the way around and apparently including on your baby in the womb. Yeah, I had to agree with you there because as soon as you said that, I was like, and then all of us anxiety-ridden people are like, oh no, what am I doing to the baby right now? Right? No, please don't worry. It's probably causing you more stress thinking about what is it doing? Don't uh, go there. Yeah, but. no. And I same thing. I really appreciate that. And especially as we get into this sensitive topic, and don't worry, we're not like pushing energy that way or anything. But for our moms that are looking to um, be in a position where they are going to be recovering from a, maybe a less than ideal birth, in this case, we're going to talk specifically about having a cesarean birth, having that information and that knowledge prior, I think gives you so much um, of a benefit going into the next portion because you can look back and say, I had this knowledge. I did this preparation. I did everything that I was supposed to do. And when things led to me having the cesarean, I know I'm in that small percentage where this was necessary. And so now I can work on the healing from all of that. And that's physical, that's mental, emotional, spiritual. There's an entire thing that happens. Um, It happens with normal, natural birth as well. Uh, But with cesarean birth, we do see that a little, we have moms that deal with a little more trauma, most likely because that wasn't the intended ending. So as we get into this, I just want to say thank you again, Kylie. Um, I I think that that attitude and that good, like those good vibes are going to help moms everywhere. And I know that that's like a universal feeling that we're having. So that's really awesome. So just so you guys have kind of a rough outline of where we're going to go with this particular episode, we really want to talk about your physical recovery 
Um, what can you expect physically? How do you cope physically when you're recovering from a cesarean and trying to care for a brand new baby? But we feel like it's also super important to address the mental and emotional recovery as well. And so we're going to give you tips and, and advice and what to expect for both of those things. So let's jump into what to expect when you are talking about the physical things that happen from a cesarean birth. Um, First of all, understand that it is major abdominal surgery. Um, The abdominal muscles are not cut, but they're pulled apart to gain access to the uterus. And the cut is actually made into the uterus to remove baby and placenta. So in order to do that, you're also going to have an epidural. And so with that epidural is going to become any recovery from any back pain or a possible spinal puncture. Um, These are the like the lower end thing, like less likely to happen, but it can happen where they puncture something which is called the subarachnoid space. And when they go past the epidural space and puncture the spinal area, what can happen is you can have spinal fluid leakage. Mm -hmm. Um, And if it doesn't correct itself, which often it does, but sometimes it doesn't, you'll need to go back in and get a little blood patch. Um, But moms that experience this, if they've got that leakage, are looking at they can have headaches um, sometimes debilitating you can kind of be like knocked out not feeling good laying down nauseous Um, and so those are some of the things that that moms have to deal with and so we just wanted to put it on there and this is true for even if you're getting an epidural and you're not having a cesarean birth as well this is a potential side effect of having an epidural period Um, and sometimes if you have some spinal fluid that's leaking. Um, One of the telltale symptoms as well, in addition to headaches and some of the other things Stephanie has mentioned is it will be difficult, sometimes even painful for you to be sitting upright. You'll want to be laying down a lot. On a general scale of what to expect in your recovery, um, whether you've had a cesarean birth or a vaginal birth, um, after you birth that baby, your insides are going to feel sort of, you might feel some stress, some strain, might feel a little bit saggy on the insides. And if you think about it, your baby was sort of displacing some of the things inside your body, um, compressing those lungs a bit. And And as things sort of settle back into place, you you can kind of feel that on the inside. That's totally normal. When you've had a cesarean birth, you're more likely to experience um, back pain and body aches and fatigue. That's also really normal. With a cesarean birth, it also makes sense to expect that you may have some pain at the incision site, which is located typically just right above your pubic area. And you may also have some pain in your lower abdomen. Yes, so things like moving or turning, twisting, sitting up, going to the bathroom, walking, basically anything you're going to be trying to do that use any kind of abdominal muscles is going to be more difficult and more uncomfortable. So sneezing. now that we've thrown, <laughs> yes, sneezing, now that we've thrown all that at you, I think what we really wanted to get into is if you happen to be recovering from this, this is how you're going to cope. And so um, maybe you haven't had a cesarean birth. Maybe this isn't your thing. Maybe you want to come back to this if that is what that looks like for you at the end of your birth story. But we want to get into the how to cope if this does become your story. All right, so listen to us very clearly when we say there is no shame in taking your pain medication. In fact, you should be taking pain medication. Like we said, you just had major abdominal surgery. Um, If you can't keep the pain meds down because they make you really, really sick, certainly you can talk to your doctor and ask for something else to be called in. Um, But pay close attention to the medication that they give you, though, and how you or your baby might react to that. 
Yes, depending on what mom is given. Um, and they'll typically tell you, you know, this is safe. This goes through breast milk this way or whatever. Look out for these things. Um, but if you are noticing that something that they're giving you, like, for example, if they send you home with morphine, um, which we had a mom recently that this was the case, and she did notice some different reactions in her baby. And what that looked like was, yes, she was in enough pain that she wanted to take the morphine, that it was helping with the coping of the pain, but she was noticing that her baby was lethargic um, and that the breathing was a little more labored and so she decided not to take that so yes generally these things that they send you home with are safe for you and baby but everybody's going to react differently and so you just want to make sure and keep track and keep an eye on um, kind of those side effects that you need to be looking for so with that mom she noticed that side effect she stopped taking it she decided to just do the ibuprofen tylenol mix that you do right after birth um, and then she had no more issues with baby baby was waking up more um, not as fussy all that kind of stuff so pay attention to those things um, and then this next one actually is something that Courtney can kind of jump in on, right? Yeah. <laughs> because um, <laughs> some women have allergies to anesthesia or pain medication. And so it's kind of a case-by-case basis. Um, Courtney, maybe you can share about that for a minute because <laughs> that was like why you decided to go natural or it without is. medication. So Well, yeah, because when you, you know, we just moved to a new area and eventually it comes out like, what are you into? What are your hobbies? And of course I tell them I love birth and I have this podcast and I have this birth course and it's really awesome. And so, of course, then they want to know, well, why do you love birth so much? And I tell them I went unmedicated. They're like, oh, my gosh, you're amazing. And I always go, no, 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 no. I had to <laughs> because I am allergic to everything in the codone family, hydrocodone, oxycodone, which makes up a lot of the pain medications that they give. And that's kind of part of the cocktail that they give you in an epidural. And so I knew I didn't want to have an epidural because I didn't want to be throwing up and in hives during my um, delivery. <laughs> so some women have allergies to those things. It really is a case-by-case basis. You and your doctor and your pharmacist can work together to find something that works for you. But like the mom, Stephanie, mentioned, if it's just not working out and you can get by on the ibuprofen and Tylenol mix comfortably, um, then by all means, that's an totally fine option as well. Okay, I have to jump in and ask you here though, like what would have happened if you needed a cesarean birth, like end game? What does that look like for someone who has that kind of allergy? That's a great question. And and Nate and I actually thought a lot about this um, because even though we had planned on an unmedicated vaginal birth, it's nice to have a backup plan. And so we had some cesarean things in mind. And I had talked with my OB and he's like, we'll work closely with the anesthesiologist ahead of time since we know you have those allergies. And we'll try and come up with a different combination of drugs that you're not allergic to should that end up happening. So um, please keep in mind that you can work closely with an anesthesiologist to get the right combination of things for you, right? It's not set in stone exactly what they have to put in that epidural space. There's a lot of different drugs at their disposal. Um, so it's totally, there's workarounds, of course. That's awesome. And who knows, maybe they the workaround would have been that they um, give me an epidural with those drugs in them that I'm allergic to, but then also give me an anti-nausea and an anti-allergy something. I don't know what the workaround would have been, but <laughs> and I never had to find out. So maybe if that's happened to you and you're kind of in a similar situation, you can let us know how they adapted that for you. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think 
what Courtney already mentioned, but I think something that we want to like hit home and make sure that everyone understands and that there's no guilt for is um, we're very aware that every mom's going to want to do what is best for her and her baby. And in this case, generally pain meds are your version of placing your oxygen mask on first before you can help the person next to you or the child next to you. Um, Kind of like that airplane analogy. So you have to take care of yourself and then you can take care of your baby and others. And pain meds are not just for the physical thing. Like the physical body has to rest so that the mental and emotional part of you can heal and and function as well. So remember that it's okay and it's warranted to focus on your needs, especially after something like a surgery. Um, And that is the opposite of selfish and it's absolutely necessary. So just keep that in mind as you're beginning to heal. It's really imperative that you have somebody around for physical support at the hospital which is kind of a given, right? You're going to have a nurse for you, a nurse for baby, on-call doctors and things like that. But you also need to make sure that you have someone around for when you come home. This can be, um, you know, your your spouse or partner. This can be a close friend or family member. If you feel like you don't have someone like that in your in your world, in your space, um, there are such things as postpartum doulas that can come in and help. But make sure, and hopefully your hospital won't discharge you until they know that you've got a good support network as well. But it's okay to let people who are in a position to help you at the hospital know that you're concerned about um, having adequate support and help at home because there's all kinds of resources that will hopefully be made available to you. And the truth is you might need more support, like literally more people and for a lot longer than you expected it for uh, like as you would have expected for a vaginal birth. Um, because the truth is when you're needing help sitting up to feed your baby during the night or to go to the bathroom or to roll over, um, you know, that the, the, the support that you're going to need is probably going to be a little bit more. Um, and so certainly for our, our course members that are within the course, we've got that whole section in the postpartum area where you can assign people to different tasks and have all of that. Courtney mentioned a postpartum doula, which I think is a wonderful thing. But if you can't afford that or you don't have someone near you or however that works out with COVID or whatever that looks like, you need to know that you're probably going to have to have a little more support. Um, And that'll be including people to do physical tasks for you, like cooking and cleaning or changing diapers or helping you with breastfeeding positions. Um, Even somebody to hold the baby while you eat or someone to bring you food. I know, um, you know, I've done different things for different women and even taking the night shift so that a mom can sleep. There's there's just different support that you're going to need and it's okay and it's good to be able to have a good support after and ask for that help as you need it. And Steph, I just want to mention right here in the world of, you know, everything being online and maybe you're living away from family, there are still wonderful ways that your family and friends can support you, even if you guys live in different states. So for example, I just had a friend announce that she's expecting twins after some fertility challenges and we're thrilled for them. And she was joking on her Facebook post announcement that, um, you know, hey, I'm going to be sending out a sign up genius sheet um, in the spring when the twins are coming for people to sign up for meals or for cooking and I told her I was like well make sure you put stuff on there too like I can DoorDash meals DoorDash, we don't live in, yeah <laughs> yeah I don't live in the same state but I can also yeah. I can send a cleaning person to your house through an app like Thumbtack right I can um there's all kinds of things people can do even from out of state to help you maybe you can't afford a postpartum doula 
But maybe you have an aunt in a different state who's like, you know what, I didn't get you anything or I really want to help. I wish I could help. Just say, I'm not sure if you're willing, but I'm trying to hire a postpartum doula. If you'd be willing to chip in on that, that would help me so much. So it's okay to ask for things from people, even if they don't live near you. Yeah. Uh, And then we also have some ideas for like, you're still going to have, this is the part that I think is unfair. (laughs) Okay. Your downstairs area is still going to not feel comfortable. So like you go through all this, (laughs) you still have a baby born through your abdomen, did not go through your vagina, but your vagina still is having to deal with healing. In the words of Oprah, your (laughs) vagina, your (laughs) vagina, hold on. In the words of Oprah, your vajayjay's painin'. It's a a painin'. It's in pain. It's true. And so I think, you know, some of the – one of the things that we tell our mothers to do when they get home from a vaginal birth or from any birth is we say do a sits bath. Well, if you've got an incision, you can't do like hip height water, you know. Um, So they do actually have – and we'll put a link to it in the notes – but that you can even order them online from Amazon. But they have these sits baths that literally sit in the toilet. And you mm-hmm. fill it with warm water. You can do herbs and everything else we talk about. And you just sit your cute little bottom of your body right into it. Um, and you can still get all of that healing. And then we still recommend that you do some kind of perineal spray. You can still do the, the chucks pads um, or the, the ice pads that we talk about that you make. So all of that is going to be really imperative. And then just making sure that you're caring for your incision. So that means when you take a shower, which you should be doing regularly, that can kind of be one of those things um, maybe that we'll get into here, the mental, emotional, you know, if you're postpartum and like, I don't want to shower anymore, or, you know, there's some taking care of yourself that's going to have to happen. And so when you take a shower, you just want to make sure that that warm soapy water is running over it. Um, Keep an eye on it. You can even add an antibiotic cream or ointment if you need to. Uh, So just making sure that you're caring for yourself, the physical things postpartum. And there's some great essential oils, of course, I have to mention that, that mm-hmm. um, can help with the healing of that incision spot. But even if you're not totally comfortable using them while the incision's still kind of fresh, after it's healed and you're looking to sort of fade that scar, there's some great essential oils like um, frankincense and helichrysum, um, you know, blue tansy, yarrow that can help to fade that scar as well, if that's a concern for you. All right, Steph, so you've had a cesarean birth before with your first. Um, About how long would you say it took you personally to feel physically recovered? Maybe not mentally and emotional, but like the physical things of my scar, my incision doesn't hurt anymore. I feel like I can get around and move around comfortably. Do you remember about how long that took Uh, you? I feel like it is cloudy, if I'm being 100% honest. I think around four weeks, I was walking fairly comfortably. Um, I know that by six weeks, like when I hit that six week mark, I started doing an exercise program and that like blew my mind because I was like, oh, I didn't know that like pregnancy and like having a surgery would just like flatten my ability to exercise or (laughs) any kind of, it was so sad. I did, it was like a boot camp. It was like, I can't remember. It was some like boot camp after baby, like six week program. And the first time you like went down to like do a push up, and I just hit the floor. I was like, (laughs) nope, apparently I can't do those anymore. So (laughs) girl, I would have been going for the gentle yoga, you know, listen to Courtney on this one, actually. There's some really great, you know, I'm so grateful for YouTube and for for um, people out there who put really great content for, you know, sort of a 
postpartum, gentle work back into exercise program. There's so many of them out there. So find a good one that feels comfortable for you that, you know, because even after four to six weeks, your body is still recovering for sometimes years after that birth. And so um, just be gentle with yourself. That was, that was my version of gentle. That's, isn't that awesome? (laughs) I'm so smart. Yeah. No, I no love but it. I will say like six weeks, like I, like it, intercourse sounded like we could do that again and it was not going to be painful at all. Like that, you know, like you're pretty recovered. The reason that they say six weeks for recovery is because that really is the amount of recovery time. So yeah, yeah, there's that to be said. Awesome. All right. So let's get into the mental and emotional recovery. And kind of like Steph said at the beginning, um, oftentimes women aren't expecting to have a cesarean birth when they head into their birth experience. If it's a repeat scheduled cesarean for you, sure, of course, right? You've probably already worked through some of the mental and emotional stuff there. But if this really wasn't on your vision board for your Mm -hmm. birth, then you're going to have some mental and emotional work to do. And we want to help you tackle that. Okay. So the number one thing we want to start with, because uh, let me say this, like when you have any kind of surgery, um, whether there's a baby involved or not, although I think this is like a lot more on the mental because there's another life involved, but um, you're going to forget what they tell you because you've got pain medications, because things are crazy, because, because, because. And so we want to make sure they're going to give you awesome information at your hospital. So we want to make sure that you take all of that information home and then we want you to reread everything again a couple days after you're home. So recovery for a cesarean birth means you're probably going to be in the hospital two to three days. And then we want to give you another two to three days after being home. And we want you to start reading that again. Read it after you're home and read it all through. So it's going to give you basic info on how to take care of like your incision, yourself, your body, your baby, where you can get help if needed. Um, And so that information should include things like resources for mental and emotional well-being during postpartum period numbers you can call, um, just a a general like overall, this is what you do next, which I feel like is really helpful for new moms, period, but especially recovering from cesarean birth. So the info they give you at the hospital should also help you remember things that your provider may have told you after the birth, and it should have some really great reminders or even checklists for what to do um, during your next six weeks of recovery. It should include any follow-up appointments for you and your baby that will need to be scheduled after returning home. So chances are, if you're listening to this podcast, if you're following us on social media or you're in the birth course and you've had a cesarean birth, that this was likely not something that you planned. So the number one thing we want to stress to you here is that you absolutely did not fail. You did nothing wrong. You are an excellent mom who's done everything in her power to bring your baby Earthside in the safest possible way you can. And I want you to know how freaking proud Steph and I are of you. And so keep in mind that cesarean births often come with a lot of exhaustion or in very serious and sometimes scary and uncomfortable situations. So it's completely normal that you're going to have some baggage to unpack from it even when it's totally necessary and it's the best and safest thing for you and baby. So with that being said, the first thing we want you to focus on is sleep. (laughs) So before you dive into the birth story that you're playing and replaying in your head, before you tell yourself any negative thing at all about that experience or about yourself, before you talk to someone that would in any way be unsupportive, So it usually means after you get home, sleeping in the hospital isn't a real thing. We all know that. There's no way you're going to get any rest. 
Um, nurses are going to wake you up through the night for you and baby. It's just not conducive to sleep. So this is the after you get home, your job is to sleep. The tricky part of this whole sleep thing is that your hospital stay is longer. It's typically um, 72 hours, three days, right, from the time of your cesarean birth. And some interesting things happen during this time. So on top of all the emotions and thoughts that you're going to be having from your birth experience, your milk will be working on coming in, which might be delayed a bit due to the pain medications that you're on. Um, And at about day three, when the milk may come in, we see a massive drop in hormones, specifically oxytocin, which can create a really hard time emotionally for mom with or without a cesarean birth. Yeah, so if you're a mom that already struggles, particularly if you had any kind of prenatal mood disorder, depression, anxiety, anger, whatever that looked like for you, or if you had it prior to birth where you're already on a a medication for this or you suffer in some way where you're you're going through therapy or you should be going through therapy, um, then going through this, these next um, couple of days into that two weeks of baby blues can be a really tricky time for you. So we walk into this baby blue period and things can feel dark and sad and exhausting and I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this and um, hopefully you're going to come out of that and you'll start to feel yourself again and the world sort of writes itself and you come into a routine, but baby blues that persist and continue on can then turn into postpartum depression or other mood disorders. So just just be on the lookout for that. Yeah. And like I mentioned, if you're a mom that deals with this already, maybe you're going to continue taking or begin taking again whatever medications you were taking during pregnancy or prior that are safe for a breastfeeding baby if this is how if this is how you're choosing to feed your baby. Um, obviously, that needs to be done under the care of a provider. So Courtney and I are not, we, we have no idea about psych meds and what's going to be best for you. So make sure that you're doing that with the care of a provider. Um, I will tell you, though, that I know it's important for moms to take care of their mental health First, kind of like we talked about with that airplane thing at the beginning, it's really important that we we give ourselves the grace and the love and the respect that we deserve to get our mental state in order so that we can take care of ourselves first and then anyone else that needs us. And Steph, I feel like I just have to mention here because so often when you're in the thick of postpartum depression, I experienced it to a certain extent with baby number four, um, and it took me several months to realize what was going on. So when you're in the thick of it, it can be hard to recognize it yourself. And so I hope that you have someone, um, spouse or or partner, um, close family member or friend that understands what to be watching you for, especially like Steph said, if you have a prior history of anxiety or depression, um, they need to be keen and, and watching for some of those postpartum depression or mood disorder signs in you because sometimes it can be hard to recognize it yourself. Oh, totally. And this is something we go over in the birth course because your spouse or your partner, that's going to be your first line of defense. They know you better than anyone else. So even if you were having um, postpartum or prenatal, like during pregnancy, issues with mood disorders or depression or or whatever's going on, they're going to be able to see the difference from that versus the next couple of weeks moving on into the postpartum period. They'll be able to say, oh yeah, this is kind of what we were dealing with, or this isn't right, or she's not, this doesn't sound right, or... um, and we can't get into all that here, but even even to the extent of I'm not interested in feeding my baby. I don't want to take a shower. I can't get out of bed. I um, am worried about every single thing that could possibly go wrong in this moment if I don't do X, Y, or Z and 
then you you sit and you can't do anything. Right. Um, or somebody comes over to take care of your baby or to do stuff for you and they tell you to go lay down. And as exhausted as you are, you lay down and you can't fall asleep. Right. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. there's and there's um there's a checklist. Actually, we can include that in the show notes. It's um and on like you can do it online. It's something that you can print. We tell our moms, go ahead and put this like on the fridge. On the fridge. Or yes, yeah. have it somewhere where mom and dad can both see and you can it's an assessment. So you can assess like, oh yeah, things are heading in the way of normal or we're headed for a different direction and we need a little more help. And there's no shame in getting that help. It's just recognizing it earlier is going to get you help quick. And this is where I feel like we have some problems with the care that we offer women postpartum. Yes. Because providers... It doesn't make any sense. Providers don't see the mom until a two to three week postpartum incision check. That's a long time to go. A lot can happen in those two to three weeks. And a mother that's been suffering that long will either be in a much trickier place or not interested in trusting or asking her OB for help. And frankly, I think that's unacceptable. We, we have to do better. We've got to set some better standards of care for our mamas postpartum. Um, we see the same problem for women with vaginal births that aren't being seen until their six-week postpartum visit, which is why we stress so much within the birth course to have your husband very aware of the signs and symptoms of postpartum mood disorders. Yeah, and I think, I mean, Courtney and I get an opportunity to see moms early. This is where doula care can be kind of one of those mediums where we get to kind of be in between the mom seeing her provider again, in that space with her, um, doulas can be a great first line of defense. I think even we we put a lot of pressure on partners and, and maybe they're not always going to catch it. And so, yes, they absolutely should be that first line of defense. But in the event that maybe they're in it with you, I mean, we can get into like partner mood disorders, right? Like <laughs> life thing. events, it things are happen. crazy for everyone. Yeah. But I think, yeah, having a doula is a wonderful thing. I think um, even for moms that transfer from like home birth care or birth center care, they're still going to have an extra, they get an extra care person postpartum. So they'll have some midwife or somebody checking in with them between those periods as well. So like if you have an OB already, or if you have a CNM and you are delivering at a hospital, you will not see somebody until those two to three week postpartum checks. So it's really important that you're paying attention. You're using the information, like we said, that you read in those packets, the phone numbers that you can reach out to. These are safe places where you can make sure to get help as you need. And I think it's really important that we stress that. There's no shame in it. Um, For myself, I experienced this and I didn't know what I was experiencing. So I wish I had some training. I wish I had somebody telling me, here's an assessment. Here's what you look for. And if you're noticing you're headed this direction, here's what you do. So that's why we say use the numbers, use the resources. Um, You're welcome to reach out to Courtney and I. If you're coming upon something, you're like, I'm not sure if this is X, Y, or Z, and we can help point you in the right direction. But um, definitely use your resources. So it's obviously really important for you to work through everything that you're feeling about your birth experience. And so some of the ways that you can sort of begin to process that and walk through it is to share your birth story with someone that you love and trust. And um, they need to understand that they don't have to do anything really. They don't have to try and offer solutions or, you know, what do I say to that story? They just need to be there to listen and to give you a hug after. Um, You can talk to other women who have been there and will understand maybe what you went through or the frustration or however, all the emotions 
emotions that you felt. Um, you can reach out to a postpartum counselor. Some offer medication. Others offer a more holistic approach. Some offer both. Just do what feels best for you. And if you walk into a counseling appointment and and you're just not feeling it, you feel like it's not being processed, just know that there's other people you can go to. You can shop counselors just the same way you can shop providers. Yeah, and I think the great thing about a postpartum, like they're specific for postpartum. They deal with this this specifically, like any issues that happen after having a baby, that's what they're there for. Um, and it even before COVID, but especially with COVID, these things can be done over the phone. You do not need to go into a place, especially if you're one of the moms experiencing anxiety and stuff. You're like, I don't really want to leave my house, you know? Um, all that can be done over the phone. All the information can be given over the phone. Um, and I even know, I feel like a lot of them do sliding scales. Don't quote me because of course we'll get somebody from, they're like, well, in my area, they don't. And so, ask around. Um, but I think that uh, more than ever, women are that are in that, that category of like trying to help women postpartum are offering a lot of services and even postpartum groups and stuff for free just so that they can really get the word out so that moms are really getting the help that they need. So that's, I think that's really, really wonderful. Um, I think journaling about your feelings and about the experience is really important. So talking about it, writing it down, kind of all the things we do when we have you prepare for pregnancy, all the different ways that you can learn and process and, and work through those things. Um, and then same thing, just like for pregnancy, but we want you to do it after write down positive affirmations about yourself, things, and and the opposite of whatever's going on in your head. That's in any way negative or uncomfortable or brings you fear or whatever. You're going to write the opposite of those and say them out loud. One of the things that comes to my mind when I think about women who are recovering from an experience like this is that I don't feel myself right now. And we totally understand that. And it's it's normal to a certain extent. But let's add that yet, right? Like, I don't feel back to normal yet. I don't feel quite myself yet. When you add that yet, you're, you're giving hope and confidence that things will return to a new normal for you with your baby. You will start to feel yourself again. Just hold on to that faith and help and certainly utilize um, some of the resources that we've mentioned here. Know that you're amazing. You were willing to go through surgery and everything that comes with it just to bring your baby earthside. Yeah, and we want you to remember to enjoy the time with your new baby. For some women, it begins the healing process. For others, it's hard to connect, and that might be a sign that it's time to ask for help, and there's no shame in that. So just be sure that you're asking the right resources because you deserve to receive love and support and anything else you need as you begin this next chapter in your mothering journey. Um, I think especially when I think of myself, I was one of those women that was not super connected to my baby when things happened. and I think some of that was because I was not able to get into that healing process. So um, take me as an example, use that information and, and focus on getting to that healthy place so that you can enjoy this time with your new baby. If you guys have other questions about recovering from a cesarean birth physically or emotionally, please reach out. This is what we're here for. We love helping. We love answering your questions. We'll try to provide some more detailed information um, in our Instagram posts that kind of release with this episode. So follow along with those two and take care of yourself. All right, mamas, we will be back with more tips and advice soon. In the meantime, be sure to subscribe so that you get notifications first about new episodes. And don't forget to head over to myessentialbirth.com for more information on the birth course and to join our online community serving pregnant mamas just like you.